Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody. It's still an exciting time of the year for sports. Sophomore sensation Lamar Jackson is redefining what it means to be a dual threat quarterback in the National Football League. Odds on Jackson to win the MVP race were at 50 to 1 to begin the season and have since plummeted, making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever and without a doubt people are going to be looking to get in on the action and we have the best place for you to go my bookie if you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot try parlay for instance if you like a couple of the big favorites this week parlays are perfect because they like bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout my bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around and if you join right now my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to a thousand dollars that means if you deposit two grand right now you'll get an extra grand and free money to play with all you have to do is use our promo code blv to activate the offer once again that promo is capital blv to get your extra cash from my bookie bet win get paid my bookie what is good today is january 29th 2020 it's wednesday we've got another interview in store for you today it's 2016 ncaa national champion world champ Daryl Reynolds. Daryl talks about his experience playing for Coach Jay right over at the University of Villanova, Villanova University, however you want to say it, Wildcats. His current project with Stay Tuned Media Network, his current project, we get into that quite a bit. His 76ers podcast is taken off with the Believe Podcast Network. We talk about some of his toughest opponents, his favorite foods, and much more on episode 149 presented by Belly Up Sports. Remember to go follow Belly Up Sports on Twitter at Belly Up Sports as well as Belly Up Podcast. Network at Belly Up Podcast Network. And remember, we are sponsored by that ticket marketplace known as TickPick.com. Remember to use the promo code OSHO10, that's capital OSHOW10, for $10 off your next order using TickPick.com. You should have used TickPick. And if you're into banging weights, eating steaks, and sleeping eights, remember to use that promo code OSHO20, that's capital OSHOW20, for $20 off your next order using you guessed it, MeccaNutritionStore.com. Mecca Nutrition, build a better you. Let's talk to Daryl Reynolds here on episode 149. of different Villanova athletes and was this something that you wanted to do um, like spontaneously like before obviously an athlete Villanova College even Pro Bowl uh, and then you got hurt of course tore your ACL in 2018 and that's kind of what gave you the opportunity to do this was this something that you wanted to do beforehand or was it something that happened spontaneously um, it's something that kind of grew every day the, the show was always something I wanted to do the show has started um, with a uh, the show was started with a concept actually before I even graduated with Alvin Williams. Uh, Alvin wasn't big on social media back then. Somebody had this idea for me to kind of do a, uh, a, a kind of a, a, a sketch or, a, you know, a skit where I would be teaching Alvin the ropes of social media. Um, never really executed it. Never really did anything with it. The following year when I came back home after the 2018 championship, I had this idea to do a talk show, uh, setting up kind of like Jimmy Kimmel style, which right. is the show start. And just do the late night talk show feel, but with my old teammates, managers, assistants, like I really wanted to get a bunch of different people's story because I wanted to, uh, I think it's so funny how like 
stories can get lost in translation. It's like a game of telephone. The time it gets to the last person, it's not really what it started off as. And I wanted to get everybody's story. So that's why I brought on, like I said, managers, players from the past, just to kind of talk about that era. Um, and then it just grew. You know, I realized that hearing other people's stories and getting other conversations are, uh, are nice. And then it grew again. I was saying, like, what if I was able to, you know, take my ability to look at something and say that's what looks good, that's what looks good, and that's what doesn't, you know, kind of like in a consultant way, and apply that to other um, other outlets, and that's how the Stay Tuned Network really began. When you were when you were playing, though, like, was this something that you always wanted to do, like, after you were done playing basketball, was, it, was getting into the media always an option? Yes, yes. Uh, I went to a situation where I was like, listen, I really, really feel like I belong on that side of things. And it's just, it just never really got, uh, you know, any win because I was playing. You know, I didn't, when you're playing, you're not thinking about that. You don't think. None of us players think, oh, one day we, not one day, but, you know, in the near future we won't be playing. But when I got hurt, it, it gave me that much more incentive to do it. And obviously you talked about uh, Jimmy Kimmel-type spouse show with your teammates, ex-teammates, former athletes. Uh, have you thought of potentially growing it even further, like different style of uh, types of shows or different types of games? Uh, we're working on a show right now where we actually sit down and play video games with players because obviously I know you guys love doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, so, I mean, to be completely honest, I'm, I'm in the process of recruiting right now. We um, we had a talk with a, a guy from Miami, Philly, and they had me on their show and their live show and stuff like that. We're working on something with my show. I have another show with a young lady named Avery Mars coming up. Um, but yeah, just uh, just uh, I'm definitely interested in some other looks. Quite frankly, getting me out of the way of the camera and kind of putting me behind it with some things would, would be nice. But also complete and other, you know, not like uninvolvement. You know what I mean? I would be completely fine with if someone. If I could see that someone had a scheme that fit within the networks. Um, you know, plan and, and, and it could be executed properly and it looks good because that's to me at the end of the day, I don't, that's a huge part of it. At the end of the day, it has to be like visually and, 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 and you know, appealing and professional. But if it fits that criteria, I, I'm up for whatever. You know what I mean? Somebody wanted to host a show and fucking, um, you know, make it balloon animals and you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's not as easy as it looks. I feel like everybody who gets into the media figures that right off the bat. Now now that you're on the other side of it, uh, obviously you've gotten a chance to uh, work with Villanova, Big East. You got to interview uh, Coach Jay Wright the other night. You played with him, obviously, other teammates. What's the relationship like on the media side now that you're not playing? Uh, I mean, I, I try to keep it kosher. You know what I mean? I, 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 do, I do understand that there is a... I teach them, like I, I was, like I interviewed yesterday, I interviewed Jermaine, I interviewed Sadiq before we even started. I was just like, you know, um, I told him I'm going to ask him about it, and I was like, don't speak on this, don't speak on that. Because quite frankly, there is a, a, a certain amount of, uh, you know, professionalism yeah. has to be held. I don't want to, I don't want to like mess up our relationship personal, on a personal level, but I do have the job, do my job on a professional level. So mostly I just, I just stay away from asking questions about loss. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> and I found that that is, that is kind of the, the easy way out. But um, I mean, no, it's, just, it's, it's a weird middle ground. You know what I mean? Like I said, I am a part of the media. My job is to get a story at the end of the day, the story at the end of the day, should I say. But uh, it's, it's been pretty good. I, I think we do a pretty good job making sure it's, it's lighthearted. And you talk about, like, trying to keep it, of course, professional. You don't want to get too personal 
with it. And the other side of things, you talked about making it look good, which is the most important thing on, on camera. Uh, have you felt like it was hard starting off trying to make things look, um, I don't want to say like professional, but again, like good on camera, making things look like they're flowing naturally as opposed to like being stiff? Because I feel like that's a big problem a lot of people have when they're first starting out in the media. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that to, to me is, is always going to, I look at my first show and I, I thought I fucking reinvented the wheel with that. I <laughs> now I'm yeah. absolutely disgusted with some of the mistakes <laughs> that, that me and my team made. But you know, like I mean, it was a work in progress. And to me, that I, I guess I guess this is the best way to say it. If someone has a vision and it's gonna look professional and it's gonna look, you know, better and better down the line, I'm willing to work with that. It's just, that has to be understood. I, I don't I don't work well with people who are like. Are satisfied. Like if I would right. look at that show the first, someone would look at the show the first season and told me this is great. You don't have to fix anything. Don't do anything. Anybody tells you that this is the best thing since sliced bread. It's like I don't want to be around. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I had a lot of people, myself, myself included. You know what I mean? Um, was just like, all right, this this could be better. We could change this. We could change that. We could do this. We could do that. You know, have, have you had uh, some guests who are like that, kind of just satisfied? Like I thought that was great, and then other guests like we could do better. I'm the type of person that's always like that. Yeah. And it's something I have to fight at times because there is such things like, all right, motherfucker, you ain't never satisfied. You do have to settle for some things. But I've always been the type of person that my brain just looks at things. It's like, all right, this is great. We can improve it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, but it's, it's definitely been some people that, like I said, I mean, everybody came up. It was great. It was great. Energy has always been a good time. But it's just... I know what the ultimate goal is. It's like it has to look and be on par. We were shooting it. I was shooting it. And God knows we didn't execute on this. Like I said, for me, it was in my mind it was. But uh, we were shooting. I was like, I want this to look a certain way because if somebody picks this up, I want them to be able to show it. They, I want them to be proud to put this on their network. Sure enough, it ended up on Coach's show, NBC Sports Philly, ended up on FS1 because it was shot professional enough, yeah. you know, to, to, to fit within their scheme. Um, you know what I mean? And that, to me, that is like, that is something that I want. You know what I mean? It's just, and it's different looks. You know what I mean? Not everything has to look like a fucking studio show or anything right. like that. There are definitely, I definitely want different looks and different uh, versions of shows and things like that. But like I said, as long as whoever's conducting that understands that, number one, there's always something that can get better. Number two, you know, that they're, um, they're always going to, you know, every time they step on, they're going to be looking at how can I, how can I be better than I was in the last show, then to me that those I've I found that those are the best type of people to work with. Oh, she yeah. always gets yeah, with those type of people. What, who do you think's been your best guest so far? Best guest in Westerns as far as like my best interview or like the, the easiest person to work with. Ooh, I I mean I guess overall, you know, like conversation that flowed the best, it just felt right, like everything like came together great like perfectly. Uh believe it or not, Lisa Ertz. Lisa okay. Ertz's mother. Um, I, I think me and her had clicked on a, on a certain level, and it was very nice uh, to hear her perspective. I've, I've always liked talking to, like I said, I, I like getting a full story. So talking to a mother, you know what I mean, is it's different than talking to an actual player. Some of my teammates, I just got, I, they got nervous and shit when they came up for some reason. It was the weirdest thing to me. I thought that was the whole point of me interviewing the <laughs> But some of my teammates, if you watch the interview closely, like when they first start off, they're like very apprehensive, like, holy shit, like this yeah. is scary. And I, I don't know, some people just do good in, under the light, some people don't, you know what I mean? But her interview, 
the, the way it flowed, the way uh, the conversation went, it was just, to me, it was, that was probably the best one so far. Well, well just think about it. I mean, you were on the other side of it, too, being the interviewee. I mean, it's, it's about you. you got to be on point, right? Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, yeah, no, it's, it's a lot. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, like, it's, it is a challenge. You have to make sure that you're in the right place to be able to even conduct the interview. You know what I mean? I've had times where I'll go back and look at something and I realize, like, I was going through something in life. And not everybody can see it, but I know, like, that would have been better if I would have had a, a lighter conscience that day. You know what I mean? Oh, the yeah. fact that I was thinking about something else could have made it impede on that interview. But, I mean, fuck it. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Whatever you learn. Oh, yeah. I've definitely learned how to separate myself from, uh, detach my personal life from my professional. And that's, it, but it's, it's something you constantly have to worry about. Shit, Coach Wright talks to me about that shit on a regular basis. Like, everybody has something going on. It's just, can you leave that? at home, you know, when you step on the court or under the lights or whatever. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a player, when you were playing, did you guys uh, get coached up with stuff like that for the media, or were you kind of on your own? Uh, no, I mean, Coach Wright and, and, and the, the public relations people at Villanova did a great job of, um, you know, lightly prepping us and then having us understand, um, you know, like the do's and the don'ts of the media, understanding what type of questions are going to be asked understanding um you know what quite frankly what the media is you know what i mean at the end of the day it's about a story that that is the that is the, the indifference that the media has it doesn't matter if you win or lose if you're up or down it's about a story it's about producing something that people are going to say i want to see that you know what i mean and some people go with integrity some people don't that's fine but they did a great job of explaining us that don't look at them as good or bad people look at them as people with a job Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And that was kind of, that was like the most, I guess that's the most watered down version of it that I can give. Did you ever get uh, a question or kind of a form of questions that you were kind of like, are you kidding me? Like, was there ever a, a time where you got a, a question asked by a reporter that was just unbelievable, nonsensical, just a bad question? Uh, yeah, very much so. It's, it's been a few times that you, you know, you get a question that you have to stop for a second and remind yourself that you're in a professional setting. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it, it would be your best interest to just start wilding out or, or answer the question from an emotional standpoint. But like I said, there are people with a job. At this point, I am a person with a job. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm going to ask some questions that are going to be challenging. You're going to hear some things that aren't going to be, oh, you know, that aren't going to be the favorite thing to answer or ask about. But it's like, it, is, it comes with the territory. You know what I mean? For me, it's just kind of like, if you're going to be upset and bent out of shape about that, it's like, you ain't going to make it. <laughs> yeah, you got a great point there. Uh, the, the one question I had for uh, concerning the network, just to p pick your brain on this a little bit more, uh, just the overall production of it, obviously, like different cameras, different uh, recording options. What type of equipment have you used for this network? Um, so for me, I mean, the studio on Nova's campus obviously was a godsend. Oh, uh, yeah. Just to have that space with those several cameras and the first season, that backdrop was already in there from another show that they had shot. The second season, I put my money into making it, you know, look a little bit different um, from a professional standpoint. And we just, it's like to me, I said, every day is just, all right, how can we be better than we were yesterday? So that's pretty, like, you know, to the point, cut and dry. Um, the stuff on the outside, the show with Avery Mars was honestly shot with GoPros, you know what I mean? And, and it's not, that's the beauty of today's technology, like the fact that you can have a 4K camera that's smaller than most wallets, just sitting on your dashboard has made that show what it is and made it a lot easier to execute on. 
but like it, it's, it is varies. I have several different types of fights. It's just it's a lot, man. You know what I mean? Like everything is a is is, is a constant moving target. It's a constant, you know, constantly changing and, and constantly evolving. And just damn technology, I, I feel old as hell because I gotta constantly keep up with that and what looks good, what appeals to people. But like I said, it's it's that's the beauty of it. That's the fun of it. Yeah. And you got the two podcasts too with uh, Believe Podcast Network. We got a show with uh, Grand Canyon University for Believe Podcast Network. Is that obviously a much easier setup? Do you just got to uh, prop the mics? Even your phone you could just use for a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, that, that's the beauty of podcast now. Like, it's so, because podcast, quite frankly, is new radio to call yeah. it what it is. And, and, and streaming is getting television. But it's all the same thing, just kind of. You know, it's, 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 they, they just, they didn't reinvent the world. They just made it look a little shinier. But, like, with podcasting, anybody can do it with, you can do it with your cell phone. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You your cell phone. So, like you said, it's really nothing. That was a lot easier. Uh, I was doing the show with Aton. Me and him would just, I would go over to his house, literally. You know, he had a part of his house that was set up like a studio. We put two mics together on the mini recorder and just... You know what I mean? Just go from there. <laughs> there. There's been multiple times where, like, I, I started out, like, the first year I started a podcast, it was just my phone. And then it got to a point where, like, all right, there's background music in here and you can't even hear the interview. I got I to hook myself up with some real mics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, come on. There's, some, there's obviously levels to it. It's like anything yeah. else, you know what I mean? Like, any kid can put up their cell phone and create a, a YouTube show and be a sensation, quite frankly. You know, and, and just having the camera propped up, you know, on the desk. Obviously, some people understand lighting and editing and all of that, but it's really just about what is your uh, ultimate goal with that. You know what I mean? What What do you want it to? Uh, what are you trying to get across? You know, what do you What do you want to be known for? For me, like I said, with the states who never with the amount of energy and time spent on this shit, man, it has <laughs> to yeah. me. It's just I, I don't. I, I still have a, a competitor's mindset when it comes to executing on things like that and it's just like it has to look the same way it, you know at Villanova is like I love to, to play and win but it doesn't hurt that we look damn good in our uniforms that we have the newest gear you know what I mean yeah. like that was how I feel about this show like yes obviously at the end of the day it comes down to the content if I guess the win for a show would equal to the content and the the, the, the value of your conversation you're having but at the same time Oh, absolutely. Media day, it's got to be the best day ever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, obviously, you got believing 76ers. Um, you actually got a call. So, what, you were in Dubai after college uh, playing, and then and then you got the call saying they want you for a tryout. So, how was that experience? Like, getting first getting the call, and then, of course, having to travel all the way back home. Oh, God. Um, I, it, was, it was, it's like many moments in life that I'm pretty sure you understand this, that something very good happens as quick as something not very bad, but something that's just like, oh my God, you know, it's just, it's a win and a loss at the same oh, time. Yeah. Obviously I wanted to be in Dubai and see Dubai and go through all of that. Uh, that would have been fun. That would have been great. But at the same time, like to get that call, because I had worked out for them um, and I had my best workout for them in my pre-draft workouts. And it seemed like a no brainer. And obviously being from South Philly to play for the six like kidding me and, Shit, if I get back on my feet, it's still a goal. But anyway, uh, back then it was like, you know, um, whatever. I didn't get the call um, once they had put together the summer league roster at first. And my agent told me, you know, he was like, listen, you know what I mean? A, a bird in the hand is better than one in the bush. If you have a yeah. ticket and a chance to go to Dubai, and this isn't looking like anything's going to happen for it, happen from it, go. So I was just like, 
Okay, and I, I, I'm out there. I think we arrived on, we arrived the night of Eve. And people don't know, like, Eve is, it's like arriving in uh, New York City on Christmas Eve. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the way that, that I, I guess New York City isn't even the best, because it was Dubai. I guess arriving in Rome, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like in in the, the, the damn Christmas Eve. It was like that kind of feel and energy around the city. It was beautiful to see. Killed out that night. The next day we go to the sand dunes and we do all the four wheelers and all that. So really brought out the Anaphilia in me and, and at that part. But uh, I went back to the hotel, went for a walk. And once I, once I got back to the hotel, it was like 12 p.m. out there. Uh, phone call, phone call, message, message, phone call, phone call, message, message. Uh, as soon as I connected to the Wi Fi, I'm like, what the hell is going on? And um, my agent told me, like, listen, the roster spot opened up, but you got to be here. The workout's on Thursday. It was Tuesday at that point. Um, so it was like the next morning, I, I found a flight for 8 a.m. I flew back. I, I went uh, back on campus. I worked out, uh, laid down, did the recovery boost, got my legs right, got as much rest as I could. Thank God my body wasn't really adjusted to that time just yet. So I went in the next day and was like, all right, this is this is what it is sometimes. And I mean, you're not going to always have a chance to get ready, so it's just to stay ready. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. You, of course, grew up a 76ers fan, correct? Still a 76ers fan? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. If that was any other, obviously bringing out the fandom part here, obviously I feel like this is a question you say yes to. If it was any uh, other one of the uh, NBA teams, are you leaving Dubai for an opportunity to try out? Obviously, they are above everybody else on my list as far as a fan goes. But as a player, if you told me if the damn uh, Timberwolves, what is it, Timberwolves moved back to Vancouver and they were starting the team and yeah. enough money, I'm with it. You know what I mean? It's, it's a situation. It's the NBA. You can't to play at that level and to, to get that kind of exposure and to play against that level of athlete and that level of intelligence with the game of basketball. It's the highest level. So hell yeah, it would be the anybody. But the fact that it was Sixers did make it a, a little more special. And now, of course, uh, being a Wildcat, playing under Coach Jay Wright, you talked a little bit about how uh, uh, he coached you guys up, obviously on the court and also uh, on the media side. What is your uh, favorite Coach Jay Wright story? Uh, my favorite Coach Jay Wright story? Um, damn, that's a great question. Thank you. My favorite Coach Jay Wright story has to be something that he didn't say directly to me. Um, to be quite frank, me and Coach Wright have had an interesting relationship. We haven't always seen eye to eye on things. And, you know, not obviously things still got done, as you can see by, by my time there. But, you know, it was just, I, I have my own, I, I've always had my own idea of doing things. And he has his. And, you know, we haven't always seen eye to eye. So it's always, it, at first, it, it was an interesting relationship trying to figure each other out, trying to figure out how to make everything work. But, we got to a point, um, quite frankly, when I was on staff after after I was done playing, and I was on staff with him last year, we had really started to understand each other. And um, when he had received the coach of the year, uh, the coach of the decade, sorry, um, uh, by the AP polls, he was talking to the guys, and he was like, you know, he really said something that really stuck with me. He's talking to the current players. And they had told me that, you know, he had really not got choked up, but he had said that he saw something where I said, um, you know, as a player. And I said it to him in person. I didn't realize that it resonated when I was in person, but I said it over like a tweet and LinkedIn post. I said, you know, as a as a player, I'll listen to you. You know what I mean? You told me to do something and I did it because you were the coach. As a coach, I understood you. 
And, you know, he was talking about, like, how his coaching style, how his vision for us goes so far beyond the game. So for me to, to circle back after I'm done playing, after I was on staff, after I'm not even around him as much anymore, and to still have that perspective and say that, that, that really touched his heart. So for me to, to hear that and to not have been in a room for it, you know what I mean? It's, it's nice to, to know that you still have that influence on a person that, as type of he does. Oh, yeah, that's an awesome, awesome story overall. I mean, it come full circle. Uh, what, what was your best uh, overall trip with the guys? Like, obviously, when you're playing, you guys win the national championship in 2016. What was your best, uh, like, say, road trip story or best memory overall from your Villanova playing days? <sighs> I keep on coming, man. Uh, I'm, about to say, I'm trying to think of the ones I can tell you because um, there's, there's been quite a few. Um, the night of the championship, so the, the tw- I'm not going to say 24 hours because it wasn't 24 hours, but I, I guess in this 24-hour span, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, April 3rd, we're in the film room. We had April 3rd, 2016, sorry. We're in the film room. We are watching our um, highlight tape of the plays that made the difference in the game uh, beforehand, in the Oklahoma game. And whoever has the highest score on this this, this chart that Villanova keeps, um, like I said, with, with just different things that don't necessarily show up in the in the uh, in the stat sheet, and some things that do. I don't want to give away too much, but whoever has the highest score in that picks the song for the highlight reel. Um, I won. So me being partially a jokester and partially just weird, I chose the dog days are over by Florence and the Machines. Yeah. Because to me, I was like, we're going to go out here tomorrow, we're going to win, and the dog days are over. That was it's very uh, symbolic and pretty pretty linear in its meaning. So I chose that song. Obviously got a kick out of everybody looking like, what the hell is playing? <laughs> Naturally, about. yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Fast forward 24 hours later, after the game is over, after the media, we're back in the hotel, I am running around the hotel um, in my shorts, no shirt, twirling around a speaker, running through the hallway, um, you know, the hotel, twirling the speaker that's playing the dog days are over. Uh, didn't get in trouble, thank God, because everybody else was concerned with a lot of other things at that point. But that was probably like one of my most, that was probably like the most fun I had with no, because people like would come out of their rooms and like sing along and be happy as hell. But it was also like, if I'm going to do it any night and get away with it, it would have been there. Oh my goodness! I mean, uh, I mean, obviously that was a hard-fought championship victory. You played in all uh, uh, six tournament wins during that run. Uh, I mean, you kind of just answered it. But what was that celebration like afterwards? And what was your favorite moment during the run overall? My favorite moment during the run. I'll start with the second question first. My favorite, my favorite moment during the run um, was at Iowa. Uh, Arch had took a shot. At the end of the half, um, Daniel came in the locker room, kind of upset that he had took that. But how quickly they had understood each other and figured out that little conflict and got back on the same page and it led us to that win um, against them was, to me, it was, it was, I think at that moment we knew. Oh. I'm not going to say we knew we were going to win, but like we knew like this is something special. You know what I mean? I, I think to see that's like seeing your older siblings like argue, but then like, all right, let's get back on the same page. Let's take everybody being good. That was probably like, all right, that was, you know, that was it. But that celebration afterwards, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it was, it was a little somber. You know what I mean? For me, it was very, it was, it was very quickly a, a moment of, um, oh my God, we did it. And then immediately this flash of, we have to come back. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, 
like Daniel and Arch, this is the end of their story here. You know what I mean? They, 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 you know, they said in Batman, you die a hero, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Like, I had to deal with the fact very quickly because we were such a next play, next day mentality type of team, it immediately hit me. We have to come back next year and we have to deal with the media that's going to be followed. We have to deal with the new territory that all of us are entering because Coach never won. Like, they have been to the Final Four. He has people on staff who have been to the Final Four, but he had never won. So we had to deal with that new growth. So to be honest with you, um, after that celebration, I, I tried to enjoy it, but it was it was a, a very quick settling moment of like, this is this is about to get a lot more difficult. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. For my final season at Thorn Over. And it was. That last season was a damn dogfight. It was a grind. But, you know, for us to end it, I believe we were 32 and 4. I think at the end of it, for us to end it in that fashion, a 30, 33 and 3 or 34, 32 and 4, I think was the record. For us to end it like that and put together that season with losing Amari Spellman, with losing Phil Booth, with having me out for like a third of the season with a chest injury, playing younger guys. Um, it was just. To me, like, that season was the definition of what that program was. It was just the way 16 ended. Everybody was like, you know, that was the cherry on top. We didn't necessarily get that in my senior season, but it was. I was more than proud of everybody who was involved with the fight that we had that year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what, what was the, uh, obviously, the Final Fours played in front of a stadium. Were you guys in Berlin? Was it uh, Houston for 2016? 16 was Houston. Yeah. Okay, so you guys were, I'm assuming, um, was it the Texan Stadium uh, for the Final Four? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. It was, it was that football stadium. It was the football stadium. What, was that the biggest crowd you've ever played in front of? Obviously, because it's oh, a stadium. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it was definitely. Yeah, it was definitely. Um, I mean, to have that floor so centered and, and propped up like it was, the Final Four is a... Is, is like the, the ultimate in, in pageantry uh, as far as the way it's executed, you know, from a visual and a, and a, and a fan standpoint. And obviously so, because it's the biggest the biggest award in college um, in college athletics. But, you know, to, to run out there and to hear, even the walkthrough before, I think was even, was, was a lot more ominous because the walkthrough before, it's an open practice. So, like, you have to deal with the fact that, like, you do hear some people, but then you realize how much space there is. Yeah. You know, you realize how quiet it really is in that big of a building. And then the next day to see it filled up and packed to a T where it's just like, you can't, you know what I mean? Like, you can't even, it was times how do we think we were able to hear him speak. You know what I mean? But it was, like I said, man, it's just, it, it was, it, it was definitely a dream come true. It was definitely a dream come true for sure. And the last question before I let you go, I'll let you get back to your life. I mean, you got two shows, two podcasts, and you got your own network. Playing, obviously, in four years with the Wildcats, you went to play pro ball overseas, you, you come back, uh, obviously, Terry Gary Sale in 2018, you start the Stay Tuned Network. Who do you think was the toughest opponent you ever played in your career? Uh, a team? The toughest team or a toughest individual? Um, both. Team and then individual. The toughest team we ever played, I would say, was Virginia my junior year. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, um, leading them, they they were, uh, that was my first time playing against, like, men. They had a different level of physicality about them. They had a different level of focus about them. Um, it's unfortunate that team didn't, you know, uh, make it to a certain point and win. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm not tripping because that was the year that we did. But <laughs> they were just a, they were a different beast. 
You know what I mean? Like, I just remember feeling overwhelmed and feeling like this is where this is where we have to go if, if we want to win everything. Because that was it was just a different it, it was different entirely. Like they they didn't brag, they didn't boast, they didn't beat themselves anyway. They were just locked in from start to finish, and their only goal was stripping away any hope you had of winning. It was it was it was quite frankly it was it was like. It's one of those games that I remember afterwards, like, you really have to go back and check, like, yourself and your commitment to the game. Um, I would say as far as the toughest player I ever played, uh, I would have to say Isaiah Whitehead from Seton Hall, yeah. our junior year, Big East tournament. Uh, it's, 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 you got to, as, as a South Philly guy, I, I have a different respect for Brooklyn. If you go back far enough, you'll see all these, like, kind of crossover between Brooklyn and especially South Philly. It's funny that JP turned out to be like one of my mentors and one of my favorite guys on the team. Sorry, Javon Pinkston. Um, in his time there, and it's still somebody who I lean on for advice to this day. But uh, he was he, he was Brooklyn to a T, man. He was just he and he and he let you know about it. Yeah, that was the worst part. Like I said, like that game at the Garden when I'm not he, he didn't single handedly beat us, but he definitely was obviously a staple of it. And to win the to lose the Big East tournament to them really hurt because I have a special disdain for Seton Hall because they've always been a team that's gave us like fits. But him in particular, just like I said, another level of focus, a different type of chip on his shoulder. He was just he he was Brooklyn, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Brooklyn had to hope hoist somebody up. It was him. So um obviously huge respect to him. I tip my hat to him, but I remember in that moment being like, shit, man, like this is <laughs> Did you ever, uh, obviously there were a few schools like South Carolina and even Seton Hall that you considered before Villanova. What what was the, what came to the final decision to choose to be a Wildcat? Uh, not to get too cheesy again, I know everybody has a million stories about how great of a person he is, but it's for the right reasons. Uh, me and Coach Wright, besides Villanova and the basketball program, where I quite honestly didn't know where it was heading as far as how good we were going to be, and none of us, no one can predict that, but you could kind of see things were trending in the right direction. But that was for all the schools. When you look at South Carolina, they made the uh, Final Four of my senior year. So, you know, and Frank Martin has put together a great campaign down there, and it's, to me, touched as many lives as, as Jay Wright has. Like, you haven't heard about him as much, but like, Frank Martin is a special dude, somebody who I still hit up to this day. For certain things, um, Kevin Willard at Seton Hall loved them. wasn't exactly sold on Seton Hall um, from several standpoints, but basketball obviously they were great. They were the only team to beat us. I think the only team to beat us in the Big East three out of my four years there was Seton Hall. You know what I mean? Like we had got Butler two of the years, we had got Providence most of the years I was there, but Seton Hall had the most wins against us while I was in college. And in Utah, you know, during that time with Kyle Kuzma, they had made the tournament, and that would have been fun to play in the Pac-12. But uh, me and Coach Wright sat down in a restaurant on campus, and our, it was our first conversation. We had seen each other numerous times. He had lightly recruited me before I went to prep school, didn't really entertain it. But our first conversation was about everything but basketball. Yeah. Um, and I remember leaving that conversation like, this is what I want to play for. Because I, I needed to be around somebody who understood that this ball is going to stop bouncing one day. What is your perspective on life? What are you going to teach me as a fan outside of it? And um, I remember I left that conversation. I told my parents, I was like, this is where I want to go. So that was probably like the biggest push with going over him. And a professor named Hezekiah Lewis who also saw film from a different perspective because he changed the way I looked at my craft outside of basketball. Those two men were just, to me, I was like, this is it. Oh, I mean, that's probably the biggest 
Pelicans fan, like aspect or quality you can have as a coach, like you mentioned, like life after basketball, like it's just a game at the end of the day. So obviously, growing up in Philly, seventy sixers fan, how you feeling about the season so far? How you feeling about it going into uh, going into the spring? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm optimistic. I, I wish everyone would have a bit more patience with, in particular, Brett Brown, um, yeah. but also Ben Simmons. Uh, Joel Embiid is a different story because he's been in it a bit longer. He's been in a, uh, uh, he's been around it a bit longer. He's also injured right now, but obviously when he was playing, there was certain thoughts on him. But I do get it. You hand somebody a uh, hundred million dollars or a hundred million plus dollars, should I say? You expect, you know, a microwave effect, but he's going against guys who have been in this game for years, if not decades. Like you think about LeBron. Like LeBron is still getting better, and he's in his seventeenth. Yeah. And that means, like, what did that tell you about the process and the energy that has, I hate that I just use that, that goes into this game. But uh, I wish that, that as Philly fans and as sports fans in general, we would be a bit more patient and, and quite frankly, get off the whole Ben Simmons has to shoot a jump shot yeah. argument. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that that is where I am, if anything, I'm like, the, like, like the mother of a, a, a player who's like fed up with all the talk. Uh, <laughs> but I'm optimistic. <laughs> but as, as a fan, I'm optimistic, and I, I think they're going to put together a great postseason run. I, I couldn't imagine a scenario where the Eastern Conference Finals doesn't come down to Milwaukee and Philly. Um, you know, I really couldn't see that happening the other way. But uh, I would love to see the Sixers in the Finals this year. And if it doesn't happen this year, I can see it happen next year. But I don't think with Brett Brown leaving it, I don't think that they're going to bring in some coaches that's going to sprinkle some magic dust on Ben Simmons and get him to shoot or get Joel in shape or, you know, get this guy to do this or get Tobias Harris to be a knockdown shooter like J.J. Redick. Like, I feel like we're still, I think people were so, we were so afraid of the era of 2013 and 14 with nobody at the game and it was, you know, and there was nothing going on. We're so afraid of going back to that. Did we forget that that was only six years ago? Yeah. We're still working. You know what I mean? And if you're trying to build a dynasty, you have to. Rome wasn't built in one day. You know, we all know that everybody's trying to be the new warriors. So it's like, put the time in, you know, put the energy in, but also trust the individuals who know what those darker days were. So when you get to that time where things are better, like, they appreciate it that much more. I'll continue to trust the process, man. I mean, do you feel like, uh, not to keep spewing questions here, this will be my last one, I promise. Do you feel like the NBA has, um, not to say, like, gained a lot more um, fandom over this past year, considering uh, LeBron leaves for L.A., of course, and now obviously AD's there. A lot of guys uh, split. It's more about the dynamic duos now in the NBA than it is about, like, the big super teams like it was two years ago with the Warriors. Uh, it It was always the Warriors against whoever LeBron played for, but now it seems way more spread out. Yeah, uh, I, I think, I mean, I, I think then, quite frankly, I hate that LeBron gets flat for the people forget that Magic Johnson joined forces with Kareem and Dooch Bar, or should I say the other way around? So yeah. It's like the super team thing is not something new. Nobody has ever won with just them. The, the, I think the closest thing I could imagine to a team um, that on paper doesn't look like it doesn't look like it's a complete team was the 2011 Mavericks team, but that was Dirk Whiskey, who's undoubtedly a top 10 player of all time and a bunch of veterans who had got very close before. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I really think like the super team thing isn't new, but at the end of the day, people have to understand that the NBA is entertainment. 
You know what I mean? Like, that is why, let's call the spade a spade. The reason there's a Western Conference, the Eastern Conference, and it's not just the top such and such teams is because TVs can't have only one half of the country watching basketball. Because we all know the Western Conference is better right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's entertainment, and, 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 and it's something to be said about, you know, guys joining forces. There, There is an entertainment factor to the idea that the same guys who made it to the finals in James Harden and Russell Westbrook and then left, uh, you know, when James Harden left, his career turned into what it was. There's an entertainment factor to having them together. There's an entertainment factor of LeBron James being on the Lakers with Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, none of that, none of it is possible without the pageantry. And the, like I said, when was style? There's something to be said about uh, getting people to fill seats and turn on the TV and watch the games live and things like that. But I don't really think the game has lost anything necessarily or, or changed. It's, it's, it's a constantly evolving game. I think this is what it's turning into. But I'm a fan of it, man. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful game. You know what I mean? It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful game the way it's executed and played. It's just it's something that's constantly changing. It's something that's constantly going to evolve. And there's always going to be somebody who can say back in my day, but it's like, hey, you know what I mean? It's ain't your day. It's, it's a new day. It's new characters filling those positions of the goats and all of that. And I think that if you would just kind of sit back and let art be art, which basketball is in my perspective, like it's an art, um, I think it could be beautiful. You know what I mean? Well, continue to be beautiful. Do you consider your uh, 16 and 17 Wildcats team super teams? Man, you said last question. Say no. <laughs> <laughs> relax, relax. Uh, <laughs> you said that this would be what? This, this will be the last question, I promise. Uh, no, do, no, do you think, do you think uh, the 16 and 17 Villanova teams, you talked about how good the 17 team was compared to the uh, 16 team. Do you think those were super teams? Hell yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no, we had, we had, we, we had a, a cheat code in, in, in many ways. And then there's individuals who don't even get mentioned on those teams. I've seen like a top 10, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the top players for Villanova over this past decade. I didn't see Daniel Jeffery on this. I'm like, what the hell? I didn't see, you know, Mustafa Yaru. I didn't see James Bell, who people forget back in 2014, the, the, the player, the biggest player of the year race came down to Dougie McDermott and James Bell. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's some people who don't get mentioned. Obviously, guys made it to the pros. That, that gives you a leg up. Let's call it what it is. But that year in particular, 2016, quite frankly, with Phil and Omari, 2017, if Phil and Omari weren't hurt, and I hate to do the whole coulda, shoulda, woulda thing, yeah. we would have won. It would have been three in a row because um, – they were they were such intricate pieces to everything that we were trying to put together, but um, you know I mean that was life. Like I said, to me that season was just that season was a definition of fighting. But sixteen, uh, look at it on paper. How many pros? How many guys made it to the NBA yeah. from that team? You know what I mean? That was a that was definitely a, a super team. The beauty of it was it wasn't uh, paid for. You know what I mean? It was just through recruitment and guys buying into a system, but. A super team, nonetheless. I mean, that's the best way. That that is it for me. I promise. Uh, I'll let you get back to your life. Thanks to Daryl Reynolds, who again, 2016 national champion with the Villanova Wildcats, host of Believe in 76ers. You can check out that show at Believe in 76ers at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. With that being said, that will wrap up episode. 149 presented by Belly Up Sports. Remember the promo codes. I repeat them on every show. Tick Pick, Mecca Nutrition, Belly Up Sports. Go follow them on Twitter. That's about it. Hit it easy.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.